Beards for Radio. Another episode of the Beards for Radio podcast. Today we are going to recap the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game. We are going to talk on some rumors and the future of the Detroit basketball Pistons, as well as kick it off with some talk about Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. I'm Joe. And I'm Sasha. And Sasha, since we've started this podcast, Star Wars has kind of been a staple of ours in terms of talking points and content that we always come back to. So officially, the, the Skywalker saga is now wrapped up. And I came away from the movie a lot more pleased than I came away from the last one. What was your take? Um, yeah, I was a little more pleased with this one than was the last, than, uh, nine, than eight, I guess you can say it like that. Um, I just can't believe, uh, Palpatine has been uh, playing hide and seek for so long. He's just like the champion. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I I found it very weird that all of a sudden they make her Palpatine's like, uh, granddaughter when there's like no mention of his, of his daughters and the other ones, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, they spunk it out aware so i wasn't like too mad at that i'm like okay cool you can you can argue you can bring it around you know i get all right fine um i really liked all the sequences i like the um i like kylo ren's whole breaking down when han solo came and talked to him um like i don't think there was there shouldn't have been a dry eye for anybody that's uh a star wars fan because it was just a great little scene and um the thing that really bothered me, though, is that at the end, she said um, her name was Ray Skywalker. You know, I felt like should it should have been Solo. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you know, Kylo gave up his life almost for her. You know what I'm saying? To bring her back. Um, right. I mean, uh, Han gave her the Millennium Falcon. Obviously, that uh, if if Kylo was alive, they would be together. You know what I'm saying? And she wouldn't be a Skywalker. She'd be a Solo. So I, I would have liked to say at the end of her name was Ray Solo. I think that would have been a lot cooler than Skywalker because then you can actually end the Skywalker saga with another Skywalker being out there. You're not going to really be able to end it. You know, people be like, well, Ray's still around, so you can't really end the Skywalker saga because Ray's right. Solo. So if they would have, like, went with a Solo Ray solo and like went off of that. I think that would have been to me, it would have been a little better at the very end. The, yeah. the little, the little Rilo moment, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Her interactions with that family, you know, and Han and Leia and Kylo or Ben, whatever you want to call him. Um, right. Kylo Ben, I guess. It, it, her interactions with that family felt more significant than her interactions with Luke. Like, she didn't get a, a whole lot of training from Luke, really just a, some bits and pieces in Last Jedi and uh, some moments in Rise of Skywalker when he was a, a Force ghost, you know? Right. I thought it, it tied up a lot of loose ends nicely, and it kind of legitima- legitimized some things from Last Jedi that confused me, I thought. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of Star Wars fans were just fine with uh, Rose having a smaller part. She was kind of annoying in, in Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> um, I, I, guess, I guess you can say that too. 
but yeah, it was just it was an exciting movie. Like, and it it did take us for surprise a lot. And I I do wonder if the plan from the beginning of this trilogy was to have Ray be Palpatine's descendant. Like, you know, that that would have meant Palpatine would have had children by the time Return of the Jedi was occurring. So I'm not sure if that was the plan all along or if that's something right. they kind of picked up along the way. Right, exactly. It, it was definitely the, a twist, you know, something nobody would have guessed. You know, I remember when Force Awakens came out, everyone was like, oh, she's she's Han's daughter somehow or she's Luke's daughter. Or somehow she's related to Obi-Wan and all all this. So... Yeah, I guess that's a twist, and then it definitely has some cheesy moments, and like you said, uh, the Ray Skywalker moment at the end. It was it, that part was kind of predictable. Like everybody in the theater knows she's about to say Ray Skywalker, and I, that's a good take. I, I agree. Uh, if she had said Solo, I think it would have been more significant, and it would have been an official rap on the Skywalker name at least. Right, and I'm just I'm just glad Chewie survived that explosion. I jumped. Oh my goodness. Seat. Yeah, I, I like was like no, loud as hell in the middle of theaters. My wife's looking at me like, shut up. I'm like, I was, they just fucking killed Joey. They just fucking killed Joey. I was no. upset. I was upset when I thought Ray killed Kylo Ren. Like it looked like he was gonna defeat her in battle, and then Leia, you know, used the rest of her like life form to be there in that moment and kind of like grab his eye. Right, and then, like, and then he drops. Yes, Ray gets the lightsaber and stabs him. That's where I was like legitimately upset. Like, yeah, like why did she? Why did she let her son get stabbed? Did she know that? You know, or run through with the lightsaber? Like, did she know that it was gonna? You know, he was gonna survive, and it was gonna bring him to. You know, so he can talk this. You know, right. and then and then when he died at the end, I didn't like how like when he went, Leia went. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I didn't understand. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like that too much. You know, I like like why did how, when did Leia's dead body know that her son was finally gone? Right, right, and that gets into talking about like right, like that. That makes it seem like she wasn't really dead. Like she was somehow hanging on as long as Ben was alive. And then as soon as Ben is gone, then it's just like, oh, no, me too. I'm gone. Right. And, you know, I mean, like, like it, you're right. It, like, tied up so much stuff. But, like, like they could have left Palpatine straight up out of this. I felt like. Yeah, uh, that, I, that was kind of a selling point, I think. Like, trying to get people back in who might have, like, kind of gotten disinterested with the last film. You know, that's that's a trailer selling point being like, hey, look, we bring him back. We bring back Palpatine. Right. Right. And like and like in in ways like I feel I felt like it should have been Solo's daughter. You know what I'm saying? But then again, Solo doesn't have Han doesn't have the force. But then again, it's not like through lineage or heritage. So like. You know, like she still could have had the force, you know what I'm saying? But like I felt like he could have he could have had like an affair uh, or he could have had like a tryst on you, you know the, the scavenger planet and had her out of something and her and her and Ben were brother and sister. But then again, how would you kill one you know, how would you kill off your brother or your sibling? How would they make that play? So I think it was okay that they brought Palpatine back so they could actually like knock off 
you know, like, like who, who's going to die? No one wants to see Kylo Ren die a bad guy. Everyone's kind of like, you know, he has to kind of follow in the footsteps of his grandfather. Right. Know? And I you know a little, little repent at the end. I think everybody saw that one coming since the force awakens that eventually Kylo was going to go back to being Ben before it was officially too late for him. Right. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, the action sequence of when he's looking for Ray and Ray's back on the ship and he doesn't know where she's at because, you know, what I'm saying like he sees her, but he doesn't see her in her environment and vice versa. Right. That whole scene was when he was grabbing, he, he grabbed her uh, at the end. He grabbed her thing. He, uh, they, she, she broke the pedestal that was holding Vader's helmet. And he's like, oh, that's where you are. That whole scene was beautiful dude that whole scene was an awesome shot scene the way that ryan johnson thought of that whole scene dude for them to actually see each other but in their own environments but not really there you know what i'm saying i think that that whole scene was great it goes back to their ability to do that in the last jedi so that right kind of legitimate legitimizes that and yeah and also when he was going to find her as ben and that's how he got the lightsaber to destroy defeat the knights of ren who we finally got to see you know after kind of being teased in force awakens and last jedi we got to see the knights of ren finally and they were they were pretty sweet like they kind of lived up to it and i'm glad kylo ren literally took down his demons the knights of ren that he built up when he you know went to the dark side <laughs> that scene when you when he fights him he's like okay let's see this oh dude that like <laughs> It was it's it's such great action sequences in it, you know what I'm saying? And like um I I posted a meme on our um on our Beers for Radio about like father like son. Did you see that meme? Yeah. And it was like there was like so many like coincidences that I don't think were coincidences that they threw in there that was, you know, that was like that like I, I'm a big fan of the solos. It's it, it sucked to see them both go, but um, like I said, I'd rather have had her take on the mantle of Solo and it could have officially put an end to the whole Skywalker saga. Yeah, like you said, like the, the Skywalker saga, you know, it's it's kind of played now. Like we've seen Anakin to Luke, you know, Leia. We've seen even Anakin's mother. Like we've seen just so much that it's kind of like, yeah, it's. It would have been nice to just complete that, wrap it up, tie it in a bow. It's done. But, you know, for all we know, you like she could just live out the rest of her days on Jakku or uh, not Jakku, Tatooine. Um, right. I don't know. Farming blue milk. You know? <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> right. So. I mean, but like, yeah, in a nutshell, I enjoyed it. I I started watching um Phantom Menace, the other day I finished Phantom Menace and I'm going into the Clone Wars and I'm going to go through the whole, uh, you know, watching the series and the Clone Wars Gets animated movie. And, yeah. And I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do it all again just to see what I miss and see what, because, you know, with the Mandalorian tying in the Darksaber, Darksaber ties into that whole, you know, Rebel series and, uh, you know, in the Clone Wars series. So it's like, I think it's going to all come full circle and thank God we have John Favreau too, you know, but that's a, that's a, that's a whole other podcast for us. Yeah. We'll get to the Mandalorian season one, uh, on a, a future episode coming up. We're excited for that one. Um, 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch Rise of Skywalker because I mean, you know, when you see a movie the first time, you have that that edge to you where you're excited and you don't like fully process everything that's happening. Plus, I, right. I, I saw it at a movie theater that had a bar in it and I drank beforehand and really had to pee. So I was like not totally focused on the movie at points. So right, like, right. right. When is it going to wrap up? I got to go, man. Yeah, well, we know it's probably going to go when it releases. It's probably going to go straight to Disney Plus. That's, that's a plus, no pun intended. Plus, plus. So, um, Plus plus. So yeah, um with the like I said, with the with with the way this ended, I think it put a good cap onto it. But I think I'm really curious to see where they go next. I hear it's gonna be Knights of the Old Republic they're gonna start with, which I would love to see how they're just gonna make old new. You know what I'm saying? Because this old the old republic happened like thousands of years before what we know of as Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I wanna see how they're gonna make Futuristic old, you get what I'm saying? They're gonna have to because it's it's gonna have to be some kind of antiquate antiquation between thousand years and now. So um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious to see where they uh where they go with that, but I think they're in a good spot with the shows that they're thinking about coming out with too. So and you know which character I think really got justice done in uh, Rise of Skywalker, Lando Calrissian. I was I was gonna say Finn. But yeah, it was also it was great to see Lando Calrissian too. Right, and like I was reading uh, when you know when Lando came back with the with the crew, you know, like everybody from like every corner of the galaxy came back with at the very end. You know, what I'm talking about yeah, yeah, and like I've been reading a lot of articles about like there's a lot of ships in there that like that link uh, to not other movies but not 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 shows but to video games there's i guess there's a ship in there from a n64 game right wow. from a guy named dash i i can't i can't think of his name dash Re- render i think it's dash rendor right and he's just a uh he was just a, a character that i introduced in the video game right and his ship was actually part of that ship part of the crew that lando brought back so the, now they're now now they're they can go anywhere with it you know what i'm saying so they can be like they can introduce a character and, you know, how, well, how's he linking the cannon? Well, he was part of the crew of thousands of ships that freaking Lando brought back. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And they could run with it from there. So, I, you know, I, I think they're in good hands. Um, um, I think while Lucas is alive, <laughs> I, I hope he steers him in the right direction. I've, I feel like it's on the other flip side of Marvel, since Stan's gone, I have not liked what I'm seeing coming the rumors that are coming out of Marvel, but I could be wrong. It could be wrong, but you know what I'm saying? I just hope they stay the course. That's it. Yeah, I got you. But just in force awakens, you know, I I think it was kind of underplayed how brave it was for Finn to leave the stormtrooper life behind, you know, the life that he was kind of born into, you know, they would find these kids at a very young age and take them into stormtrooper training and in, in the second movie of the trilogy, Last Jedi, I just felt like he was kind of portrayed as a deserter, like not really a brave hero. Like he, And then at the end, he tries to sacrifice himself, you know, when he's racing into the, uh, the weapon that the, the First Order is setting up. And then Rose comes in last second and kind of like swipes him away and kind of takes away the hero's death he would have gotten. But I think in this movie, I think he his character was justified. Like he was seen as a, a fearless warrior again and him and the other 
stormtrooper runaways riding in on right. on the weird uh, tusk horses. I, I like to call them Pumbas. I don't know what their official name is. Right, right. But you know, riding into battle and not retreating and waiting up off until the last second for Lando and everybody else from around the galaxy to arrive. I just thought his character was done justice. We never found out officially in the movie what the thing he needed to tell Ray was, but I, I think that's kind of an oversight. You know, you sent me a message about the the JJ Abrams cut of Rise of Skywalker. Yes. And uh that kind of got into it. Like that was one of the things where we're gonna find out is Finn someone who is sensitive to the force and able to learn these abilities. Right, because like I was telling you, like how do you how do you know out of all those carriers that was the carrier that was pinging the you know the beacon uh, that would you know that that was taken down everything all communications would stop. How do you know that? You know what I'm saying? That's what I thought right in the movie, but I thought that in the movie, but it, it, I didn't think that it was because he was sensitive. So when I read that article I sent you, I was like, makes sense. And another thing you said, the big back what you said off of is that um. How you're saying that, you know, he, he kind of felt like he was portrayed as, uh, as as a deserter, you know what I'm saying, in the other movies. And this one, he kind of got vindication. Well, he got vindication because, you know, in the other movies, he was only, like, ex-stormtrooper deserter. In this one, he I saw a slew of them, like, oh, crap, like, you, you guys you guys were ex so was I. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of like gave him validation. That, right. He, you know, he's, he's he was the only one that did it. In that sense. Right. Right, so I think that's that. You're right. When he met met up with all those ex stormtroopers, those runaway stormtroopers, that it kind of made him like say, "What I did was right." Validates me, and it kind of kind of probably like boosted his bravado a little bit. And he was ready to give. He was ready to sacrifice himself and blow himself off of that ship. You know, what I'm saying if Lando didn't know how to drive that Millennium Falcon, boy, fly the Millennium Falcon, he'd be you know toast him and the other chick, but. You know, I I think you're right about Finn. I think he had a kind of kind of had a coming out party. You know, what I'm saying? a little so. bit, yeah. I what what do you make of the color of Ray's lightsaber at the end? What what kind of meaning do you think that carries? What color was it? Like a yellow? Yeah, it was like a a faint yellow kind of. Well, I think that you know each each their own you know what i'm saying my favorite lightsabers in the star wars world are you know ahsoka thanos she, she kind of instead of holding them like up she has two of them to, that's kind of they're smaller and they're inverted and they're blazing hot white and i think that looks cool yeah so i think it's just that you know uh you know i would like to see you know her trials to get her kyber crystal they, they kind of skipped over that big time you know right so like i don't i don't know like how she went about it, how it sank her, or how it, you know, talked to her or lured her in for her to actually go at, about it. But I know that in it's just supposed to be kind of random. I don't know what the yellow means, but I think it's I think it's different and cool. But no, no one's as cool as Ahsoka Thanos. She has she has two blazing hot white ones, man. She holds them inverted, dude. And I hope they, they I hope her character somehow comes to the like the, the live action play because that's my favorite Star Wars character of all time. Okay. So I got um I I think I think I think it's cool. I think it's cool that they, they, they switched up the color of her lightsaber because I think it you know it depends on the person, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I thought maybe the most shocking moment was when Ray Ray and Kylo were battling for the ship that they thought Chewie and um 
you know, the, the map thing we're on and, and you know, right. the lightning comes out of her fingertips. That, that's before it's revealed that she's a Palpatine. Um, and, you know, in retrospect, it kind of makes sense how she's so strong in the Force because she's from the lineage of Palpatine. But then it also brings up some questions like, you know, if Snoke was supposedly like a clone that Palpatine was working through. Right, well, that's, that's kind of what Palpatine. You would seem like kind of like a kind of like a puppet. Yeah, yeah, it was just a puppet. But you know, um, Snoke didn't really know who Rey was in The Force Awakens, and I believe he wanted her dead in the Last Jedi as well, too. Right, I mean, right. yeah, but would would have he would he have killed her? Or yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just. And like Palpatine being hooked up to that big computer too, it's like, uh, like how far would he have reached? Dude's plugged in. He's like, right. it's like the Matrix now. The guy's like plugged in like the Matrix. Like, how far was he reaching too? You know, so that's a good question. It's a very good question. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, but to me, that had to be the most like jaw dropping. Maybe the coolest moment of the film was the the blue lightning emerging from Ray's hands. Well, also, right. also when Kylo or Ben, I guess when Ben gets the lightsaber from Ray and uses it to defeat the Knights of Ren. That was pretty sweet, too. Yeah, that was sweet. They, they had very great action sequences, they meaningful did. action sequences, too, that, like, meant something. Not just, like, you know, right. run out and run out and, like, amongst, like, 50 stormtroopers and they're all missing, <laughs> you know, like Jason like Jason Sudeikis trying to shoot, <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> but yeah, dude, like, there were meaningful fights or, like, well choreographed like i said i think i think the, the fight between them two while the while kylo's looking for her that that's that fight sequence i think is one of the best sequence fight sequences in in all of star wars you know that's yeah. just that's just my straight up straight up opinion and like we've had good fight sequences i mean like the the qui-gon the qui-gon Jin and fucking uh, uh darth maul you cut out the swearing my bad <laughs> qui-gon Jin and darth maul yeah, like like that fight sequence was dope. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, a meaningful no, the, the fight, fight sequence. sequence you know what I'm at saying? the end of Phantom Menace is what kind of saves the movie in my eyes. And at some points, like the fight between yeah. Obi Wan and Anakin at, in uh, right towards the end of Revenge of the Sith is one of the best. Right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think I think when they when when um, when uh, um, the clone army turns on, you know. Uh, the, what you call it? God, I'm, I'm going when crazy right now. Order sixty six. Yes, when they turn when they turn on the rebels, you know what I'm saying? They, yeah, and they execute the order. I mean, like that stuff. And I mean, it's just those are great moments in Star Wars history, man. It's like it's like at least they end on great cues. <laughs> you know, like, see, you might not, people might not like the Phantom Menace. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy it because I I'll, I'll go through and watch them all again, and I'll look for little Easter eggs, little stuff here and there that links this and links that, because there's a, there's a bounty hunter that's in Phantom Menace that you see for two seconds. who plays a huge role in the, in the animated Clone Wars series. So, I mean, you know, I, I feel like it's this, you either love it or you hate it. Don't, don't, don't be, don't be half wet. You know what I'm saying? Don't stick your toe in and be like, everything should be like the, the 77, 78 ones, 83. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. God, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's we, for we kids. It's for original, enjoyment. Let it we enjoy. We all know the original trilogy is the best, but there are still good movies outside of it, too. Right. You know, I'd say just enjoy it for what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, 
It's like if anybody, if, if, if did I talk to you about the, the Freddie Prince Jr. rant? Have you ever seen that? Freddie Prince Jr. I don't think I've seen that one. All right. So Freddie Prince Jr. He plays, uh, uh, he plays, uh, the voice of, um, Caleb Doom or Kanan Jared in, uh, in the, um, in the Rebels animated series. Right. So, um, he goes off on this big rant and like about how like, fanboys are trying to boycott canon and this and that and he like goes off on his big rant and he's like this is straight from lucas's mouth dude he's like he's like star wars is for enjoyment it's for kids it's to have fun it's to enjoy it you know what i'm saying it's not to like take it to the point of like seriousness (laughs) and like he goes off He, he, he he's a little more eloquent and kind of kind of vulgar at the same time you know what i'm saying but yeah go go see that uh google or youtube Freddie Prince Jr. rant of about Star Wars, and he's on his podcast, and he just he just goes off, and it's like I I feel you, Freddie. I feel you. I feel the same way, bro. So I suggest uh, looking at that rant. It's kind of or watch that one. It's kind of funny. yeah. No, you and he's right. You know this this is a series of movies just for entertainment. You know, and some people bring it like up to the point to the brink of religion, and it's kind of it's kind of funny like how seriously some people take it like hey it's good to be passionate about it and whatnot but it's yeah it's it's a series of movies and since return of the jedi it's been pretty clear that you know the the target audience is mostly kids and whatnot and they've done a good job of marketing its kids and what and everything but overall yeah i enjoyed it i think there was a lot of pressure riding on it on uh the rise of skywalker i had a good analogy though if i hated the movie and i kind of want to just like give you what I was going to say if the movie was bad, in my opinion. Shoot. So, if if Rise of Skywalker was bad, and this analogy would have been perfect for our podcast, I would have related it to Michigan State football the last three years. This trilogy. Okay. <laughs> because you go back to 2017 season, and Michigan State goes 10-3, and three, you know, and it's such a young team, and Lewerke is such an exciting, young sophomore quarterback. And they got all these wide receivers coming back and all the defense coming back. And you think, man, they started out at 10 and three. They're definitely just going to go up from here and definitely bring home a championship in the next two seasons. Right. Right. And then what happens in 2018? It's a bad season. I mean, it's seven and six, but you're like, that's such a disappointing season. Maybe, maybe it's just because of all the injuries and whatnot, but everybody is pretty much back next year. So, you know, they can still redeem themselves next year. And then what happened to Michigan State football in 2019? It was just more of the same. So if you look at the new trilogy of Star Wars, if Rise of Skywalker was another disappointment, it would have been like the same, like Force Awakens. Such an exciting starting point. There's so many young characters that you can build off of. And The Last Jedi, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know, that didn't really progress it too much for me. And it didn't build off of those characters too much. It's a little bit of a disappointment. Well, and it just leaves so much lying on the last movie. And thankfully, thankfully, I think Rise of Skywalker turned out better than the last season of Michigan State football. But I, I had that one lined up if if this one was going to be a disappointment. Well, at least at least your team, you can compare them to Star Wars like like Michigan football. I'm going to compare to Fast and the Furious. Right. <laughs> There's a whole whole bunch of movies, a whole bunch of fans, but no awards. You feel me? But yeah, we can move on from that. Well, that, that segues perfectly because we are fresh <laughs> off the 
latest installment of I I think you and I agree the best thing we have going in the state of Michigan sports wise. It's the college basketball rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State. Cassius Winston was in his bag. He had maybe the best game of his career, leading Michigan State to a fourth straight win. Uh, but again, it was it was the fourth straight, of, I believe fifth or sixth straight matchup between the two teams where they're both ranked in the top fifteen. And I think you know we both agree this is this is the best thing going for the state of Michigan in sports. It's the Michigan versus Michigan State basketball rivalry. Right, no, no, absolutely. And Cassius Winston was straight free. Like, I, I said you one word, balling. Just balling, dude. He just he looked comfortable out there. He looked like he knew what his next move was every single time. I mean, what did he drop? Thirty two points. Thirty two points. Tennis. Tennis or nine. Nine assists, something like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, like I mean, he was there. I mean, Tillman was there too. Tillman got a double double, twenty and ten. So like those two guys, if those two guys play like that every game. State's gonna, state's gonna most likely win the game. Yeah, like almost every time. My thing is, is that for my squad, Michigan, is that my point guard can't shoot for nothing, okay, and my big man can't bang for nothing. But we've known nothing. about Xavier Simpson for a while that while his shot is improving, it's it's far from reliable. I thought right, just on effort alone, like him not giving up on a play. He legitimately got Michigan nine more first half points than they should have had. Oh yeah, he shows a lot of heart. I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying that. I, he's a good leader. Shows a lot of heart. But like, look, legitimately, there's not too much in the bag at that point. Right. You know? Simpson, Xavier Simpson, legitimately might be a top five point guard in the country, in my opinion. But he's number two in the state. Hmm. Um, yeah, most definitely. And something that like, Cassius Winston has kind of brought on in that game that's relatively new to his game is what he called the kill shot. Like he hit a three to put Michigan state up by 13 in the second half crowd goes wild. Xavier Simpson comes back and hits a three right away. Cassius Winston gets the ball back and immediately responds with another three. And there was just like to go back up by 13. And he, he later called that the kill shot. He's developing what we, we criticize miles bridges so much for not having a killer instinct. Oh yeah, most definitely, dude. Like he could have been, he could have been, you know. I I personally think they would should have went to uh, Triple J that year more. But oh yeah, no, I agree. When I, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. If he had a kill, like like he came down, and if if if, if like like I said to you, Juwan Howard didn't come on the court. I mean, like someone had to, if someone had to uh, stop the kid. Juwan's like, yeah, I'm gonna jump on the court and stop this. You know, yeah. the guy from coming down and hit another three. You know, so like, man, like that's. Again, and I said it be like at the beginning of this season. I have not seen a player progress in, in in recent memory like I've seen Cassius Winston progress in these past four years. You asked me four years ago, I'm like the dude. The dude slow, kind of hunchbacky. You know, dribbled all right, facilitates all right, dude. This guy every single year, he is not taking steps. He's taking bounds to be better than what he is. And I think this year, man, his, his NBA uh, draft stocks going to rise. I want to see how he does in the tournament. You know what I'm saying? I want to yeah. see him uh, be a little more assertive in the tournament. Dude, but, his, his lob, no, he's his been balling, bro. Tillman, he's been balling, bro. His lob to Tillman in the second half where he kind of drew two people onto him looked like he was going for a layup. He just tossed it behind his head, and Tillman was in perfect position. That was one of the most – 
shocking plays. Like it was it was unbelievable to me how he how he set that up. It was insane. Yeah, and, and like you said, like Tillman, dude, like last time I was saying I want to see Tillman just like unconsciously pull it. Just unconscious like you get the ball, you're like you get the ball, if there's a dude three feet off of you, pull that. Pull it. You know what I'm saying? He can make those shots. He has a good shot for being a big man, dude. Yeah. And I think and I think I personally think that dude is gonna have a good like journeyman career in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Because he's right. He, he's 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 in that time in the NBA where he doesn't have to be a big 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 forward. You know what I'm saying? He can be like a Draymond Green dude and have you know success in the league. Dudes to his size, I think, has success in the league. You can move him around three different spots if you want to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think I think they got a one two punch with Cash uh, Cash is Winston and Tillman, dude. That's just. You know, and and then and then you add into it, dude. Who had a s- sneaky, silent, good game? Is Henry? He didn't force nothing. Yeah. He played smart. He got a handful of he got a handful of buckets. He got almost ten rebounds, a few assists. He played great defense. You know what I'm saying it's just like it's like nobody on Michigan State forced anything. They let the game come right. To them. And you know what I'm saying everything was so fl- fluid th- for them. When Tillman and Winston are playing like that, you don't need Henry or Gabe Brown to be a scorer. And I think Henry knew what he needed to score. Like, he had a basket early on. Like, he had a, a pull-up jumper I th- when I think it was, like, 7-5 to five, Michigan State. He had a pull-up to make it 9-5. And then he made two baskets early in the second half. But, yeah, you're right. He didn't force anything. Like, he, he really let things come to him. Gabe Brown, I think, is has maybe – Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham, I think, have the biggest potential on the team of Michigan State. And Gabe Brown almost – almost murdered Brandon Johns. If that dunk went in. Oh, yeah. No, that would, that would straight, straight up, up murder. Like, respect to Johns for just being willing to hack his arm blatantly. Be like, you know what? You're not putting me on a poster. Like, <laughs> I might get the foul. You might hit these two free throws and two points and two points. But you're not You're not dunking this right now. But, man, if he did, that would have been, been something else. Yeah, and then like you know, then Rocket Watts comes in the last like thirty seconds, hits two threes. It's like you need to you need to see more of that during the game, not just the last few minutes of the game, young man, because he has it in him to do it. Yeah, you know Rocket Watts, he'll he'll get there. He's missed the last couple of games. He came back last week against Illinois. Um, to see that shot fall on back to back possessions was incredibly hope inspiring. Refreshing, yeah, refreshing. And it inspired a lot of hope because he let his leg heal up a little bit. I think he sat out three or four games. And that's one thing that wasn't falling was his shot early in his in the year. And Izzo said it was really a catch by Izzo because Watts wasn't telling anybody that his leg was hurt. He was just trying to, like, play through the pain, you know, be a good teammate, so to speak. And Izzo's the one who was watching tape and was like, he's not getting any lift on that leg. Came to Watts and was like, all right, you can be honest with me. Like, are you doing okay? Are you feeling all right? And Watts tells him, and then they do some research on the leg and find that out, and he sits. And, you know, if he if he comes back fully healthy with two good legs, you know, maybe he can start finishing at the rim finally and, like, get in lift mm-hmm. on his, his pull-up jumpers. Because there were so many times before he sat out where he he had these weird takes to the rim where every time it got rejected, and I was like, dude, Rock, when are you going to learn – like when are you going to realize that that's not the move to go to? Cause it's getting swatted every time. And I'm thinking maybe right. he didn't have enough lift. Maybe, you know, he, he dominated high school so easily for him. Like, um, 
No, it, it was a very encouraging week of basketball for Michigan State. Very reminiscent of where they were this time last year, which is super encouraging. For Michigan, I I don't think it's too big of a red mark because Michigan State is just playing on right now. Like It was kind of the wrong time to get Michigan State at Breslin without Livers. And I think it would have been almost the same game if Michigan did have yeah. Livers. Yes, yes, it would have. But I, I think Michigan will be there at the end uh, I think the, in terms of Big Ten play. I, I think you're right. I think they'll be there at the end, but I just don't think they have this year what it takes. And you know what? Let, I'll say it. I'll say it again. I didn't expect much. I just expected them to come out and compete and play hard, in which yeah. they have been. But, like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go down the list of Michigan players like Brooks. Dude was non-existent. He had two points. You know, Zave's, Zave is Zave. He's going to, you know, show you heart. He's going to give you, you know, uh, you know, up there and assist. Teske's yeah. soft. John's soft. Wagner, you know, he was okay. You know, I want to see more of him sometimes. He's got to get that shot down. Like, you know, he, he was mostly down. recruited for his ability to shoot. It's kind of taken a while to come on. It, it'll come to him, I think. Right. And, like, the Julius, I like the way how aggressive Julius was playing. Too. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, he, I said, he, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I said this on uh, the Paul Bunyan podcast when me and Mike were previewing this game. I said, if I could pick any Michigan player and drop it on a Michigan State's roster, I would pick David DeJulius for a couple yeah, of reasons. Because he's kind of like a junkyard dog. He can play the one and the two, maybe even the three if you really need him to, but you know. I think he would just fit in Michigan State's roster perfectly, but he—he—he's who I would take off Michigan's roster right now. Right, and he, and I like that he plays with a little chip on his shoulder. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I dig players like that. You know what I'm saying? Kind of reminds me of like a Marcus Smart type deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we both love. Uh, I, I, I love you. Right, I love players like that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Davis, dude, Davis banged. I'm sorry. When he was in there, he had like six straight points, and then and then they kind of got uh, they kind of got of uh kind of got hip to his little drop step he did it like four times in a row it's like you gotta do something else guy yeah. they're gonna they're gonna I, get your drop step on you but. i like that michigan state brought in julius marble the freshman his first like real big 10 experience and he julius marble kind of roughed up austin davis and john teske a little bit and made things not so comfy for him right right and then and, you know davis kind of uh kicked back and got those six points on him but then you know like i said they caught on to what he was doing but at least davis was going down there he was banging down there he was getting strong down there you know what i'm saying he's trying to assert himself down there you know what i'm saying like teske doesn't do that you know i feel like teske if he gets in the position man he slaps a lot he reaches a lot and that's why he fouls out a lot you know what i'm saying because he doesn't he doesn't let them come into his chest you know what i'm saying you gotta be a big man sometimes bro you gotta you gotta bang sometimes. You're a big dude. And I don't want to say Castleton, where were you? Castleton was nowhere. Nowhere in sight. He he tried to pull up a few times, pass it off, and then you know, got banged around. Nunez, I don't know where this kid was. You know what I'm saying? They're young kids. I get it. They're not how people are saying, well, they're not Howard's kids, and wait till Howard gets his recruits. Yeah, yeah. You know, that it'll it, it'll be it'll be time, you know, and I get it, right? But you know, this is stuff that I want to see out of these dudes, man. I, I want to see the big guys on Michigan bang. They're not doing it. You know what I'm saying? On the other end, I'm seeing Xavier Tillman, who is, you know, not as tall as the Michigan dudes that are on the floor, but is playing up to their height. 
and wanted it more. There was there, there was that there's that time, dude. You looked in his face, man. His eyes, his pupils were huge when he fought for that one rebound, man. And I'm like, dude, dude just wanted it more. You know what I'm saying? State just wanted it more. You know, Michigan. I think they're, you know, like you said, they're young cats. It's a new system, new coach. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be a curve. It's gonna be a learning curve. So. Right. And the Big Ten's gonna be so crazy. I think towards the end of the season, they'll be in position to make a run at the Big Ten title. But yeah, if you said it, if Michigan State has both Winston and Tillman playing like that, and all the other players on the team aren't forcing anything, it's gonna be difficult to stop. And this is really the team from Michigan State that everybody was wanting to see all season. It it took a while to adjust because a lot of players were given new roles. You thought you might have Langford and he was gone. You thought you might get Joey Hauser and he wasn't there. You have the tragedy with Cassius Winston and the last week of basketball, Cassius Winston, it's kind of like a new season for him. And he's playing mm-hmm. with that joy again. Like, when Howard came onto the court and got the technical and the ref stopped the play, Cassius Winston later said, you know, he heard the whistle. He still demanded the ball back and shot that and, you know, fell on his back. And he was, he was laughing. Like he was, he was having so much joy. And, you know, after he hit that kill shot, he turns around and he flashes the, the money symbol that he used to do when he was like a sophomore and last year after hitting the three, you know, throw up the, the cash symbols and whatnot. And, you know, he was playing to the crowd. He was pumping up the crowd and everything. It was it was beautiful to watch, not just from a playing standpoint, but just personality. It's really like right. it's really like just the beginning for him. Yeah. Um so yeah, like I said, when when Cash is in his bag like that, it's it's not much you can do. Like <laughs> running onto the court might have been the best thing Howard did all day. <laughs> Right. I guess, like I said, somebody had to defend the kid, you know? Right. And, you know, remember how we used to talk about Cassius Winston versus Xavier Simpson, like two, two summers ago. And I was like, yeah, Cassius Winston is nice. He can do some fun things on the court, but when he runs into a a quality, like maybe the best on-ball defender in the, in the conference, Xavier Simpson, when he runs into him, you know, he gets shut down. You know, he, he can't be as effective. He can't, not only is Xavier Simpson keeping him from scoring, but he's not finding people. The way Cash has elevated his game and took that challenge head on. Now, if you talk about the Xavier Simpson versus Cassius Winston debate, it's not a debate. Like anybody, no, again, no offense to Xavier Simpson, because I love Xavier Simpson's game. He is one of my favorite players in college basketball. But given the choice, I would take Cassius Winston 10 times out of 10, one thing twice. Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's a no-brainer. No-brainer. But, yeah, we'll see where we go from here. we both got games coming up. Michigan State's going to play Minnesota, Michigan-Purdue. Um, and February 8th, Chrysler Center. Hopefully, Livers will be back, and uh, we can talk about it again on that one. Oh, absolutely. We're going to talk about it again. <laughs> You're going to have to. Hopefully, it goes a little better for me and my squad, but, you know. Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll see. We'll see. It's been hard to predict Big Ten. You know, home team versus road team has been just a crazy differential. But Right, right. You know, talking about basketball in the state of Michigan, Sash, we might be able to breathe some fresh air soon as uh, some rumors have been floating around the interwebs that uh, teams are starting to call the Pistons about Andre Drummond 
and the Pistons are starting to engage in those talks, like maybe Tom Gores will actually let his buddy go. Um, Tom Gores sent out a statement that he is um, something has to be done, and he's willing to, you know, do whatever it takes, and that also means. Uh, getting rid of your boy, Andre Drummond. I think what really is going down is that he's been seeing how good Sekou's been playing these past five games, yep. and he's thinking in his head that, oh, my God, do I have a Pascal Siakam version 2.0 on my hands, and should I do what uh, what the uh, Raptors did and trade away my uh, uh, staple and love of – this team in DeRozan and do what I did, do what they did with him and do what I did with Drummond and get rid of Drummond and just build around Sekou cheaply and then throw in a Kyle Lowry and a uh, uh, a Kawhi type uh, presence around him. I think that's what is going on in his mindset. I think if Sekou doesn't play good these past five, six games, I don't think we're talking about this. Yeah. Just to go over his numbers, he's scored in double figures uh, each of the last few games and has gone up against the likes of Kawhi and LeBron and Draymond and Kevin Love. Yeah, and and embodied Tristan Thompson the other night. That's right. So, like, like, it's very promising. And, like, you got to go off these young cats. These young – dude, there's – and I feel like I'm I'm, 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 a – you know, a broken record, but dude, there's pockets, there's pockets everywhere around this globe of basketball players. There's ballers all around this world. Yeah. They're waiting for a chance to step up. And, and do they have a, a Pascal on their, uh, on their hands? I don't know. I hope I wouldn't mind it. And Pascal Siakam is a great, great, great player. I wouldn't mind it, but I think it's a smart move. And I think Tom Gore should have done this last year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, year, we probably could have gotten more for, for Dre than what, what we're probably going to get this year. And also for Blake, who they're now uh, – who just had knee surgery. Right now they're saying Blake is out indefinitely. If they're smart, yep. they'll shut him down for the season. Yeah, because we should. We've been talking for months about how many just pure scorers there are in this upcoming NBA draft. Um, not just not just in America, like in college basketball, but all across the nation or all across the world, you know, like you said, in those pockets of talent that are now being discovered. Really, thanks to David Stern, RIP. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace, dude, because that dude, you know, they expanded, you know, and, you, and like it. I feel I felt like when uh, Vade Divac did it with Serbia and did the NBA thing with Serbia and, and in, in in the Slavic region, it was kind of an experiment, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you all of a sudden now you're getting Luka Doncic's come out, you're getting uh, Jokic's come out, you're getting uh, Vujicic's come out, Bogdanovic's come out, you're getting all these Slavic dudes that are coming out because of the experiment of moving basketball outside of America and into you know Eastern Europe yeah. at that time. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah, you're right, David Stern kind of lit that fire, him and Friday, you know, doing that over there, kind of lit the fire, and the international started sparking a lot more. So, yeah, no, you're right about that. Yeah. Absolutely. But an ideal scenario for me is you trade Drummond and you get, say, a first this year and some 
some expiring contracts that, that aren't going to carry any weight in the next season. And you shut down Blake and, you know, pretty much you play Seku, you play Christian Wood, you play Luke Kennard, like, and Bruce Brown. I think those four are a decent young core you can kind of build around cheaply. I don't think Kennard and Brown are really, like, starters, like, on a good team in the league, but they're they're good pieces. They're good pieces that you can protect or use as trade bait, either one. Um, right. But the better draft position you're in, like, what what record did the Pelicans have last year? They they were like third or fourth or fifth worst in the league. They didn't have the worst record, and they got the number one pick. Right, because they because I think they have like a new way of doing it now. It's the yeah. it's a it's a numbers game, so it's not if you it's not it doesn't go last is first and then so on and so forth. But there there are so many good scores in this draft. You look at Anthony Edwards. You look at James Wiseman. Uh, Lester Canones, um, Miles Powell will probably be available later in the draft. Tyrese Maxey, so many good scorers that are going to be able to come in and give your team an immediate boost and maybe someone you can build around. Uh, you know, we've been talking about it with the Warriors. Like the Warriors should be losing every possible game, try to get James Wiseman. And then next year, boom, you got Steph, you got D'Lo, you got Clay, Draymond, and you got James Wiseman. That's an awesome starting five right there. Like, say the Pistons get Anthony Edwards. Then you got Anthony Edwards and Sekou Dumb. Sekou. Yeah, you got Sekou and maybe even Christian Wood. You got that core for at least three years on a, on not big contracts. You know, that's, that's right, how the I mean, Nuggets did it. You know, they got the Nuggets got Jokic and Gary Harris in the same draft. And then uh, I believe it was two years later, they got Jamal Murray. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like, you know, doing that young kind of thing is the way to go. I mean, look what they're doing with the NFL. Everyone wants to, you know, get that young quarterback and, uh, you know, they, they want they want everyone wants the uh the uh Lamar Jackson deal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And like they want the same thing with in basketball as well. You know what I'm saying? It's just and it's been working. It's, it's really been working. So, I mean, you can look like you said, look at Denver worked at Denver. Look what's going on in Dallas, you know, with, with uh, Zingas and uh, Dodge. It's going well with them. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I feel like we need to kind of follow that method as well. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, hey, I, I, I love Dre. He's number one rebounder in the league. He's, he's kind of made his, you know, uh, rim protection presence a little more this year, but he's not a max player. He's not a max player that you're going to build your team around. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. Love it, but love him, but, you know, Hawks got the, the Hawks got a lot of assets that he can they can give up along with with uh with uh, uh first round picks you know what I'm saying so there's even teams that are out there that they're willing to give their you know uh all their picks from 2020 to 2025 to some people you know what I'm saying you know like but they're gonna be you know protected and you know have little caveats on them and this and that so they won't get all five of those picks but still I mean people out there are are ready to give up bodies and picks. For Andre Drummond, and plus we got Rose up in the D Rose, you know, you know, great player. Loved what he's done. You know, what I'm saying, love what he's done here. I think he's a humble player. I've always liked D Rose, but you know, he's he's going to be to get older. You know, he's accident prone. You know, yeah. they they, they got to watch his minutes. So like, he's playing some great. He's he's putting up better numbers than he did his MVP year right now so like it's like it, maybe it's time maybe it is time to start trading both these guys you know what i'm saying i would even look to i would even look to get rid of uh, luke Kennard at this point because you're not gonna pay him 
what he's gonna want later down the line as well. You know what right. I'm saying? So they're they can they can go so many ways on this, dude. So um it doesn't hurt to uh, at least kick the tires and see what people will be willing yeah. to give up. Because last year, I really believe you could have gotten two firsts for Blake. Oh yeah, but and now what are you gonna get with Blake? He's injured. No one's gonna want to take on his contract, his age, his injury. You know what I'm saying? Last year would have been the time to do it. Yeah, last year would have been the time to get rid of him and uh, uh, Andre Drummond. You know what I'm saying? But. Yeah, you know, uh, they don't pay us the big bucks, Joe. Right. If they did, we'd make those trades. So, unfortunately, I think we could do right. it. I think we could bring back the bad boy era. But let's do it. Uh, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. If they get like uh, the 20th pick or something and draft Cassius Winston next year, it's gonna be awesome. Hey, man, I wouldn't pass that up. But I feel like they can. If 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 they lose the rest of their games, they can they can be picking anywhere between seven to ten. That's right. That's, you know what I'm saying? It pains so, me. It pains me to see them like losing by double digits to the Cavs, and then I, I I don't pay attention, and then I look back and they won. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Right, <laughs> like, guys, come on, you're so close. Like, just make something official with Drummond. Like, if Tom Gore is just kind of like release relinquishes his grip of death on all of the decisions that are made, it's gonna be good. Like, if the basketball people are finally the ones making the decisions and not the celebrities and the the billionaires like right you know so well, no, i'm with you man i think i think they can build around seku and christian wood and just go from there and then then hopefully you know they can just i don't know find a way to whittle whittle some you know max contracts out and get some people to come here you know what i'm saying and i and i heard a good thing on the radio was that you know if you get you can get yourself one superstar if you have two two uh, max contracts Give a max contract to one guy and tell him, listen, pick who you want to play with. Yeah. Pick another superstar you want to play with. Pick another max contract. You, Who do you want to fill it? You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you almost have to do that here in Detroit because it's not it's not a destination where you want to be, at least if if you're giving, you know, a player, a max player that kind of pulled, uh, have him be like, hey, you know, I'll let you do what Kawhi did. You know, come here. And then bring on Paul George. If that's what you want to do, you know. Do that if that's what you want to do. But right. I think this is this is the market in, in in Detroit that you kind of kind of kind of had to think out of the box a little bit like that. But I thought it was a good idea. No, definitely. Um, and that's kind of the way the league is going. You know, the Nets get Kyrie and they get KD in the same offseason. You know, you've had um, John Wall and uh, Bradley Beal in Washington forever. You've got. Like you said, Kawhi and Paul George are tracking each other. You, Lakers bring in LeBron a year later; they're able to get Anthony Davis. Like that's kind of, that's just the way the league is going. Like you got to have not one but two All Star reliable players, and that's kind of like the formula: is you you bring in one and you kind of let him name his his ideal partner. Right, and think about you spoke about the Nets. You know, Kyrie's hurt too, so th- those two guys sit out. They don't do good. They get a good draft uh, uh, draft pick, and that's our back in the talks in the, in the next few years. But I mean, like, like, like that's how you get. They're gonna have to be playing this game here in the NBA from now on. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it's gonna be a young man's game. You know, what I'm saying? so you're not gonna have LeBron James's every single year. You know, what I'm saying it's not gonna happen. So I think I think what they're doing is, I think if Gores goes this route build around Seku and Christian Wood, 
you know, you know, free up some cash, free up some, you know, money, get some max contracts in the mix. I think we can have a squad, man. I really do. But that's that's if Goris is ready to go all out and get rid of his little buddy, you know. So wishful thinking for sure. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, we covered everything we wanted to on this one. Like I said, on a future episode, we will get to season one of The Mandalorian, wildly successful in my eyes. Um, yeah, you can get you can hear more of Sasha on Talking Shoot. You guys are on. You said every other Sunday. Every other Sunday, crbradio.com. Crbradio.com. You can catch me on the Paul Bunyan podcast along with our friend Mike. We just had a new episode drop the other day talking about the Michigan-Michigan State game as well as Michigan's bowl game against Alabama. And, yeah, make sure you guys go to far-ebar.com to browse some new fresh products from Farbar. And have yourselves a happy new year. And thank you, guys. We are over 1,000 listens total since we joined Anchor a little over a year ago. Uh, It means a lot to us. We appreciate everybody who likes, listens, shares our stuff. Um, You know, it's it's nice. It's nice to get over that, that hump. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, I think that's kind of uh, kind of a cool little thing for us, man. But hey, hey we're still hungry for more, though, guys. Absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. So, hey, man, this has been real. It's for Radio. I'm Sash. And I'm Joe. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Beards for Radio podcast is sponsored by Farbar. Visit far-ebar.com to browse all of the products available. We're talking t-shirts, jackets, handbags, hoodies, flannels, reconstructed things. I can't even like put into words how original, creative all of the material we will find at far-ebar is. Farbar designs stitches does everything himself and it's good to reward small businesses and hard work so do us all a favor visit far-ebar.com and do yourself a favor and your closet a favor and get one of these products now